by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome to N17 Women, the only podcast exclusively covering Tottenham Hotspur Women FC. This is Caroline and I'll be your host, joined by my co-hosts, Abby, Rachel, and Sean. How are y'all doing today? And most importantly, are you ready for the new season? Um, I'm good. I've been enjoying the... uh... The, the men's season so far so uh hoping that the women's season lives up to the excitement that we've seen in the men's season so far um but yeah good and can't wait to get started just less than two weeks to go i'm having a very annoying day i had an annoying day at work and now my wi-fi is being annoying so apologies in advance for glitches and any frustrations in my voice the day goes on but I'm very much looking forward to the new season man I don't know I feel like I've barely recovered from the last one they really put us through the ringer there um but no I am looking forward to it and yeah looking forward to have some games to watch yeah it feels like it's been way too long since we've gotten to see Spurs women play especially since none of the preseason games were streamed uh which was unfortunate But today we're just going to wrap up the summer transfer window and review the squad as it stands heading into the 2023-24 WSL season. And then we'll also take a look to preview the season ahead. We'll touch on some of the big narratives around the league and make a few predictions, of course, even though we have learned over the past few years that nothing about this team is ever predictable. And I know there are probably some new listeners out there just starting to follow the team. So I'll just share a really quick intro about ourselves and the podcast. So Abby and I are both following the club from across the pond, while Rachel and Sean are season ticket holders who follow the team home and away. And we started in 17 Women last summer because there wasn't a Spurs podcast dedicated solely to the women's team. So we decided to make one ourselves. And we've really enjoyed getting to know lots of Spurs women fans from across the globe. And we've also had the privilege of interviewing a few current and former players for the podcast. So you can look back in our feed for those interviews if you'd like to learn more about some of Spurs women uh, fan favorites like Ash Neville and Molly Bartrip. And a typical N17 Women episode includes match recaps, previews, club news, and of course, answering our listener questions. So now let's start off with the new season. First, we need to discuss the last couple of transfers that were made on deadline day before we recap the transfer business as a whole. The club made two signings on deadline day, one permanent and one loan. Martha Thomas joins the team on a two-year contract, joining us from Manchester United. She's a 27-year-old forward who has international experience with Scotland. And we also signed 22-year-old Zhang Linyan on loan for the season from the Chinese Women's Super League Club, Wuhan Jinghan University, although she most recently played on loan at Grasshopper Club Zurich. And she is also a forward, and it's notable that both of these signings came in the wake of the kind of shocking news that our star striker, Bethany England, will be missing the beginning of the season while she recovers from a, quote, minor surgical procedure on her hip. So let's set aside the Beth news for a moment. And yes, we will talk about it. Don't worry. But what do y'all think that these two new players are going to bring to the team on an individual level? One on a, uh, on a slightly, uh, 
different tap, I guess, Chinese. We got a little bit of Chinese support last uh, two seasons ago uh, with our player then who was also on loan and looks and that was quite good for actually getting people to games. So um part of you might say that's something to do with it, but also with our with our new Chinese player, I think uh Rachel's been doing some uh, digging up of of clips and and uh, she's a left-sided player, which uh, helps us out because that's where we found it more difficult. Uh, and uh, you know, attacking quick players, good. And seems like it, and as, as a season-long loan, I think that's a that's a good thing. And we can see how she plays. And it might be that you know she's looking for another club. It might just be that as the Chinese players, they tend to stay attached to their Chinese club and then. Uh, and and going out and about, so we'll see what happens with that one. Um, Martha Thomas, Martha Thomas is, um, I think, well, comes from Manchester United and clearly not been getting a lot of time for them. So, is is cover basically, isn't she for Beth? And hopefully that won't be too long. But you know, she's an experienced player in the league. Uh, so, without having seen too much of her in preseason or anything, it's difficult to say. But um, you know, hopeful that both of them can play their part for the club over the season. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because that last bit you said, like, we haven't seen too much of them because of preseason. I'm having a really hard time assessing for myself, like, exactly what the holes in this squad were, are, um, especially under a new manager, just because, like, we haven't seen him play at all. And so I think the best I can say about, like, what do I think they'll bring as individuals is, like, first of all, yeah, we 100% need a backup striker since all of our other strikers are injured or not here anymore. Um, I did really want, um, like Martha Thomas was on my list two years ago, I think. Uh, but then she moved to United and I was like, ah, okay. So like, we'll never get her. Um, and if we do, like, we should probably be aiming higher. Um, so yeah, interested to see what that turns up because she was a, a player that did a passable, like a decent job and like a pretty bad West Ham team. And yeah, I just think like we've said it a couple times on the pod, some of our players who who play on the wings, like we know who they are as like entities, like Roz, Jess, et cetera. Um, and I think it'll be really interesting to get some new players in who might offer something different when our other players seem to maybe not be developing quite the way we wanted. So yeah, but honestly, who knows? I <laughs> I don't even know what we look like right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very, um, uh, like, unexcited, but not against Martha Thomas. Like, I feel like she's a player who is does a job. She isn't, her goal scoring since she's been at Manchester United has been very so-so. I think she got one goal last season, four goals. But in previous seasons at West Ham and Man United, she got about four goals a season. So she's not going to fill a Beth gap, but she might help. And she obviously knows the league, etc. So I think that Zhang Linyan is exactly the way I think the club should be using loans in that it's getting in a player from a very different league to see how they do. It's not a loan. It's not improving a rival. It's not, you know, there's no other repercussions. And I'm excited to see what she does. She's very young. She's 22. Um, She is the sort of forward that just wants to push the ball forward. She's kind of like Kit, but with more speed in some ways when I've seen clips of her and that she sort of wants to run at players and sort of seem, and the ball's quite sticky when it hits her. Now she's been playing in less demanding leagues and so whether or not that transfers is 
obviously the issue. Uh, we saw Chiali Tiang didn't have a great time at Spurs. Um, and she'd done well in Chinese leagues. Obviously, Zhang has also been at Grasshoppers, so she's been in the in Europe at least already. She seems pretty good at the World Cup. Yeah, so I think she offers something different. She seems to she's also very much a runner. And so, you know, enough issue about getting bodies into the box. I feel she's gonna be arriving in the box at the right time. That's that seemed to be one of what she one of the things she does. So I can see her adding a dimension to what we have already. And I'm happy to see whether or not it works out and it's very low risk loan. Yeah, that's a good point. And we did say that we wanted to get some recruitment out of the World Cup. So this could be what's going on there. But I would have to echo what y'all said about Martha Thomas. Like she doesn't hugely excite me, but as a stopgap measure, you know, and depth, probably a decent enough transfer. I do have a, a United fan friend who told me that, you know, she had come up with some big goals for United, maybe not a lot, but some that were important. So perhaps, you know, once Beth comes back, if she's operating in more of a sort of super sub role, we could see her flourish in that way. But let's take a look at the state of the squad as a whole now. Usually I would start from the goalkeeper position and then move up the pitch from there. But I know that we're all itching to talk about Beth England and the impact that her injury is going to have on the start of the season. So we'll begin with the forwards this time. Uh, we saw quite a bit of transfer movement in the attacking positions this summer. Kaya Simon and Chioma Ubogagu both left the club at the expiration of their contracts, while Mana Iwabuchi departed at the end of her loan and has now retired. And additionally, Lena Gunning-Williams is going out on a season-long loan to Ipswich Town in the National League South after signing her first professional contract with Spurs earlier this summer. We were surprised by the recent announcement that Nikola Karczewska is also going out on loan to Bayer Leverkusen in the Frauen Bundesliga. And late next month is going to mark a year since Ellie Brazil's ACL injury, so we should expect to see her back in action soon. And since we barely got to see her play last season, she will almost be like a new signing alongside Zhang and Thomas that we already talked about. And although Grace Clinton, who has joined us on loan for the season, has played as an attacking midfielder previously. She has been featuring at striker in Spurs preseason friendlies, it sounds like. So I think we should probably count her in this forwards category as well. And then returning forwards include Beth England, Jessica Naz, Celine Bizet, Rosella Ayan, and Kit Graham. So how are we feeling about this group of forwards on a scale from confident to panic mode? And this is where you can let out all of your Beth-related feelings, by the way. Very kind of you. Um, well, again, I think it's really difficult, isn't it, to come back to uh, we haven't seen what it looks like. All we've got is a, a series of tweets to go on, really. I mean, on paper, we've got a lot of forward players. We've got a lot of attacking players. We've got some really exciting talent in there. You know, uh, Jess Nas was looking like she was getting back to her best last season. Celine Bizet had a really good start first season. And I think a lot of us are really excited to see what she can do. Uh, Kip's back and looking like being back to her form, you know, in the preseason stuff that we have seen. She's been admittedly, you know, against lesser teams, but she's been scoring some goals and, and getting some assists and things. So if she can be back to that kind of form that she was in before she got injured. That's great. Um, I think there's a lot of really good players in there. I think we've got a really good attacking front line. It hasn't played itself out in terms of 
the, the scoring goals against the bigger teams that we've been playing in pre-season. But part of that, I think, is probably to do with just a, like, there are so many of those players. Finding out where they all fit and where they all work is going to be a big job for a new manager. Uh, and so I'm not I'm not worried too much. I mean, obviously, Beth, it depends. We we've got no clue how long she's out for. Um, hopefully not too long, and then she'll be back and scoring goals. But also, you've got to remember that first half of last season, a lot of our goals came from Ashley Neville. So there are other places that goals can come from too. Uh, so I'm not the only thing I'm worried about is is that kind of working out of who fits best where, and and getting that done quickly because last season we did have a problem with players not being fit and and not really knowing what our strongest 11 was for quite a while yeah for me it all comes down to the manager right because it's a huge number of players you can't tell me there is not a forward line in there um it like the news about Beth England was definitely alarming at the time but that's why for me it all comes down to the manager because last year the team was in a spot where we needed Beth England basically to avoid relegation and what is unclear to me is how much the coaching had an impact on those players not being able to get the ball in the back of the net or even progress the ball down the field. And I haven't seen what Wilhelm does yet, nor have any of us really with this group of players. So I think it's just impossible to tell. And I'm like, like, I think the generous interpretation here is, yeah, coaching was impacting our forward players last year and we should expect an uptick and we should expect to not feel the loss of Beth England quite so acutely. Um, Cause like, think of it this way. Do you think we still would have gotten rele- like avoided relegation if we'd signed Martha Thomas in January instead of Beth England? Like, cause that's the switch. Right. And so, <laughs> and so really we like for me, it's a wait and see. I I feel as fine about it as as possible given the circumstances. Yeah, I think it's interesting that at the point. Well, I mean, Robert knew that Beth England was obviously going for surgery well before we did, and my guess is that Grace Clinton's loan was related to that as well as the loans that came after we knew. So to some extent, I think he's been putting together his Beth England replacement squad for most of the summer, or at least a large part of it. And I guess then the question is, what kind of strike force does he want? He he hasn't signed an out-and-out striker. So he hasn't signed anyone who even looks vaguely like Beth England's type of striker. And in some way, in putting Nicky out on loan, he got rid of our most striker-esque striker and he's replaced her with less sort of you know more flexible striker slash number 10s or winger striker type people um which suggests something about how he's planning on playing and setting them up and it is does look like a a a team in which he expects goals to come from lots of places not from a central forward and so yeah, I don't expect any of these players to replace um Beth England. A couple of them have scored a lot of goals but in either weaker leagues or lower leagues so Grace Clinton scored a lot for Bristol but that was a lower league we've seen that Zhang scored but that was um, in other countries and so it's unlikely that any of them will do that kind of work it'll be amazing if they did um, for Spurs I think you know I am excited about a few of them we said before it'd be wonderful to see Celine have a proper breakout year this season and 
be the player that we all know that she can be, especially when she's having fun and doing the flicks and whatever else that she likes doing. Um, And I, you know, again, I really hope that this is the season that Jess comes into her own. And I, in the last friendly, Martha Thomas started instead of Jess and then Jess was the substitute. And I kind of hope that was just a giving Martha game time because she hasn't been in the squad before and it's not a sign that Jess will be on the bench more often. But there's obviously a lot of rotation there. Yeah. And I don't know. It's 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 a bit of a wait and see, isn't it? It's obviously going to be a team that involves a lot of runners. You know, he's he's got a fast team, a pressing team, one that and even in his discussion of the Manchester United game, which we lost one nil, and it is a big problem that we have not scored a goal against any WSL, you know, opposition. It's good that we collect a clean sheet and we only, you know, we only went one down to Man United. But not having scored in three separate games is a bit of an issue. Yeah. I I mean, again, this is where it would have been nice to see some of these friendlies. Because from the match reports, it sounds like we were getting chances and, you know, a lot of shots going off the woodwork. So perhaps it's just a matter of tightening up the finishing. But where have we heard that before (laughs) when it comes to this team? But I think you touched also on my main concern about this forward group, which is that, like, we have depth and numbers, but I don't know that we have enough variety of skill set across this group. So we'll see. There could be some games where we struggle to adapt to the game state um, because of having just too similar of, of options to replace from the bench. But besides the obvious answer of Beth England, once she's fit again, who do we think is going to be the standout performer out of these forwards? I mean, well, I think a lot of us are hoping that Celine will, will be that, that player this season, not least, you know, um, it's the right kind of time having had a season with us and being a young player staying with us. So I think that's a, that's a really important thing. But we've got, you know, I mean, Grace Clinton coming in, she could put in a fantastic performance, you know, coming up a level, you know, the way she played for Bristol City, if she can come up a level um, to play in the Super League, she could put in a great great season. Um, and there's so many unknowns, aren't there? Um, I think this is going to be a repeating factor of this pod, is us all sat here saying... We just don't know. Um, we hope, but uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, if Ash can put together a season, uh, two halves a season like she had the first half of last season, she'll be lead goal scorer for us this season. So anything's possible. And you know, we don't even know what position she's going to be playing in this season. You know, she could be playing as a forward for all we know. Well, on the plus side, if we don't know what to expect, our opponents don't either. So there's that. <laughs> Any other candidates for breakout players? I think Sean just about covered it for me. Yes, I agree. So we'll move on to the midfielders. There was a lot less turnover in the midfield contingent during the transfer window with only Cho So-yun departing at the end of her contract. And the only incoming midfielder is Olga Atenen. She's joining us on a two-year contract from Linköping in the Dam Allsvenskan, the Swedish league. She's a seasoned Finnish international so she's going to be familiar with playing with Evelina Simonen. So that's a plus. And our returning midfielders include Evelina that I just mentioned, Rhea Percival, Angrad James, Drew Spence, and Ramona Petzelberger. It's worth noting that the midfield depth chart felt very thin for most of last season with Percival missing most of that campaign, recovering from her own ACL injury, and Petzelberger featuring even less for reasons that are still not clear. 
And there's also a slight complication in that it appears that Ingrid James has been playing in the defense during most of the friendlies so far. So we might not see her in the midfield as much this season. But I know this area of the pitch was a big area of underperformance last season. Are we feeling any better about the midfield's prospects now, or should we still have some concerns? I'm surprisingly feeling better given the lack of changes. I think that Artanen is going to be a really important signing for us. And the fact that she's already been made vice captain is a sign of how much trust the manager has in her. The fact that she was MVP in the Swedish league. She's somebody with experience and is clearly a player who is going to help fix our problems around passing, which I'm sure Abby will delve into in more detail later. But Um, You know, one of the problems was is that because our midfield wasn't able to keep the ball, there was a lot more pressure on our defensive line last season, as well as not being able to progress the ball up the pitch. And so we haven't signed a purely defensive midfielder. But I guess if we've got midfielders who can play the ball better and keep possession and win the ball better, then that is defensive in and of itself. And I'm excited to see what happens. It looks like Drew and Olga and Evelina are have been the sort of starting lineup in the friendlies. Now that might change. Um, and obviously Rhea Percival had a really good World Cup. And so, you know, and she's, you know, a player who's going to be consistent. And we know that Drew is sometimes inconsistent. Um, so that gives an option. It might also be, I guess, that Kit gets moved back occasionally. And also I'm, we haven't seen Ramona Petzelberger starting a single friendly yet. So it might be that she vanishes mysteriously again this season. So I wouldn't count on her being around that much. So we don't have as many options as we probably should do, but there's a few players who are flexible. I mean, I think the issue is going to come and we'll get there is if we have an injury at fullback and at midfield, um, Angara just will have to like go between them in covering. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> as Rachel alluded to, I was straight up just going to answer this question by being like, well, we got another passer. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. I feel fine. I feel fine with the amount of of passing in that starting three and also in the cover. I think that'll be way better. Uh, I think it's still like, I think it's also fine on defensive work, but like, especially amongst like the four who I would like to see most on the field at any given time, which is um, the two Finns, Drew and um, Rhea. I think that that both has plenty of you know, all the stuff you'd like to see in a midfield. It's just a matter of like, what purpose exactly is our midfield going to serve? How many of them are going to be on the field and which, what are they going to be required to do? Uh, And I think like, until I have a better sense of that, I don't, I, I don't, I can't really say anything other than I'm satisfied, but maybe it seems a little light. Like for instance, like you know, who are we going to want to see against top sides? Who are we going to want to see against weaker sides, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think um, I'm really excited to see Rhea back. Um, She came back, obviously, towards the end of last season, but didn't have as much game time given, you know, length of time she'd been out. But she did have 90 minutes a lot in the World Cup uh, and proved that she still got that in the tank. We know that there are question marks sometimes about Drew's commitment um, for over 90 minutes or in particular games. And we know that's never a question with Rhea Percival. Um, she gives everything um, on the pitch. She can be, you know, running right from the top to the back um, several times in the game. You know, she's got that 
that commitment and whilst she's getting older and she, the legs are gonna not be what they once were um I, I I really think we've missed we missed her last season and her drive on that field so I'm really pleased to see her back even if it's maybe used in a more not in a every game kind of way or not in 90 minutes for every game kind of way but also I think as a player to come on and bring that drive and that will to win she's certainly got that we saw Evelina last season in a couple of different roles in that midfield and we spoke a lot about how much we like her and, and how much she grew last season and I think she she again could have another really good season for us and be a really important player for us Um, we still haven't kind of got a, a replacement for Maver in that direct sense. But, you know, again, it's about how, as Abby said, how are we going to play? Do we need that player? Have we got players that can negate that need, you know, that can pr- protect the defence in a different way? Uh, so, yeah, it's, it is a bit light. But then I think, as I say, last season, we struggled with too many players almost in that midfield, not knowing who we were playing most of the time. So I think sometimes having a having fewer players and just them getting game time is going to be a good thing. And I think um, our new player coming in sounds like a fantastic player who the manager already knows and, and believes in. So, and sounds like the players are already buying into if she's been made vice captain, you wouldn't make somebody vice captain unless they were already, you know, feeling part of the squad. So whereas in the, uh, on the front line, it feels like we've got lots of players um, midfield. It does feel lighter, but um I'm not again. I'm not overly concerned about it. Depending on how we play and how we set up uh, as we go into the season, I mean, we've got a tough first game and then what should be an easier second game. So it's um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think for me, I'm just curious to see what kind of balance we're going to see between the more defensive side of the midfield and the more attacking. Because it it sounds to me like everything we've heard from the match reports from the friendlies is that. We're really focused on being more of a fluid attacking system this season, which, like you said, could negate the need for a true defensive midfielder like we saw in the past with Clemeron. But, you know, I I know we've had players like Evelina that when she joined the club, we saw her as more of a defensive midfielder and she's kind of transitioned into being this sort of second focal point in the attack behind Beth England. Um, And that really unleashed the best of her performances last season. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Oh, I ahead. totally forgot about attack Evelina. That is so funny. This whole time when I was talking about the midfield, I was like, I guess we'll see her as a DM. I mean, like I prefer as a box to box. And then you said that. And I was like, damn, that was like an entire storyline. Well, and I don't know if we can go back to defensive Evelina now that we've seen what she can do, you know? I know it was great. It was glorious. Yeah. She's like the Beth <laughs> England clone. And almost similar with the hair as well. <laughs> But yeah, let's yeah. let's look at the defenders now. The major departure from the defense was Karis Harrop, who announced her retirement from football just a few weeks ago. So congratulations to Karis. And Esther Morgan also left the club at the end of her contract after having spent the last couple of seasons on various loans. The only incoming has been Luana Buller, a Swiss international joining us on a two-year contract from Hoffenheim in the Frauen Bundesliga. She plays as a right-sided center back or at right fullback at times. And our returning defenders include Molly Bartrip, who was also named as one of the vice captains for Beth England, uh, Shalina Zadorsky, Amy Turner, Esmita Ale, Gracie Pierce, and Ashley Neville. Of course, I could have included Neville in the forwards category, 
but it seems like we're more likely to see her in defense this season out of necessity, just because of the lack of depth in the defense. So let's just address the elephant in the room. How worried are we about the left fullback position? I have never seen Angerad at left back. So I have no idea whether she's any good at it. I'm hoping. I mean, she can play sometimes. She can pass the ball. She can run. So maybe she is able to do it. And seen as Mita and Ash start on her. But it does feel like we definitely did not fail. And obviously that's a choice. There's a, you know, there's only so many players in the squad and the manager decided in a bunch of forwards uh, to alternate. And so we are left with what seems like a little bit of a fill-in at left back. Gracie Pierce also seemed to come on and either play at a fullback in the last um, game or swapped with Luana Bula, who might have gone to fullback again. We can't tell from the reports what happens. I'm very excited about Luana and Molly as our core set of backs. I think that's going to be really good, and I have a lot of confidence in them. I think that will be a nice pairing. And I think if Ash the entire season right back, she can have she can really set and play well. And we've seen him and could back or left back is to a team and she can be really influential from that position. I think it's the chopping and changing I don't like, even though at heart I would like to see her on the wing. I'm also really beat she battles. Yeah, my thinking is also like, what in the world does this Mita have to do to get a start? Like, at this point, we're going to see Beth England playing left back before Ismita. And I'm like, I'm kind of joking, but I'm also like, like what in the world like she's a promising young player like I feel like she should be starting and getting like most of the game and yeah we're really thin on the ground with fullbacks I like I know fullback is kind of a weird position where like a lot of different skills can play there I personally prefer to see like forwards moving back to fullback and more attacking fullbacks um, and it seems like what we have here instead is like our center backs and defensive midfielders filling in at fullback. But yeah, man, <laughs> who knows? I don't even know. I don't even know what's happening out there. It's just a big, you know, that meme that's like the, the soccer field and then it's like attack on one side and then defense on the other side. And then in the middle, it's just like wavy lines and it's like magic happens here in the midfield. That's like, what I'm envisioning, except for instead of knowing what's going on in attack and defense, I just don't know what's going on anywhere. And it's just like magic happens here. Hopefully. Hopefully magic. <laughs> Hopefully magic. <laughs> well, you know, as I say, uh, as I said before, we had we seem to go swap seasons in terms of performance wise. It's it's our it's our season performing well this season. So hopefully that holds true. Um yeah, I mean Molly Bartrip as as vice captain and and starting centre back is is good news. Um, obviously, I think we've all fallen in love with Molly a little bit um, over the course of the last season, and uh, and so uh, and and Luana looks like a great player to come in join her, and also, and then with Shalina there to back them up as well. I mean she's still got a got a good game in her, and hopefully we'll get um, some some share of minutes as well, even if that's mostly cup runs and things. Um, Anna's backup, as I say, you know, she's still good and hopefully will only be getting better as opposed to, you know, what we saw from her towards the end of last season, which was very little. Uh, Amy Turner, yeah, we've not seen anything from, apart from her um, new 
brand ambassador role that she's doing. Um, so we don't know where what what's going on with her, and hopefully she'll be back up as well for centre backs. But it's a bit odd. I mean, and then full backs. I mean, you talk about left backs. You forget that Ash Neville started at left back for us and for several years played there and played very successfully there. So whilst I know she would prefer a more forward role between her and Asmita, um, I think we've got a couple of good fullbacks who can who can fill those positions. We've maybe got obviously as much like Rachel, I've not seen Ang Harrod play at fullback to know how good she is there. Hopefully she's really good and, and that's the good news. Um, and we know uh Gracie Pierce can play at fullback as well. And you know we've got other people who can play at fullback if needed. So uh, I think it's one of those we just have to trust the manager that he knows what he's doing and um, and hope for few injuries in defence this season. Yes, agreed. And I think I'm just hoping that those younger players like Asmita and like Gracie are actually going to get some significant opportunities this season, just because it was so frustrating to see Asmita, especially last season, just kind of languishing on the bench in games where we felt like she could have made an impact. So we'll see how that pans out. But last, we have the goalkeepers. Uh, we were a little bit surprised to see Tenny Corpella leave the club this summer, particularly because she had once again split the game load evenly with our other senior keeper, Becky Spencer, during the previous season. So Spencer is returning along with our young goalkeeper, Eleanor Heaps, who was away on loan last season. And we assigned a new keeper whose name is Barbara Votikova from PSG. She's on a two-year contract and has experience at the international level with the Czech Republic. Both she and Spencer have featured in preseason friendlies. So, so far, it's hard to say which of them will be claiming the first keeper spot or if there even is going to be a first keeper or if it's going to be a little more even again. Um, So do y'all have a firm opinion either way on who should be that starter or do you expect to see a fairly even split of games between them? I guess I'd expect to see a fairly even split still because I was under the impression at least that the reason we were doing that is because Becky has a sort of long-term back problem uh, and can't necessarily play every game in a row. Um, And like, you know, we see her appear consistently in international tournaments. So that kind of makes me think like, you know, she can do it if she has to. So like, who knows, maybe. Um, But I saw this as another splitting the load thing because that's the only reason I'm like, like, I'm, I think Barbara seems awesome uh, on social media. I think there's a player in there probably, and I hope we get to see it, but I'm also kind of like, there were a bunch of really, really, really good keepers on the market this summer. And the fact that we got kind of like a reclamation project from PSG who has like a lengthy uh, burn list on our Wikipedia article um, makes me wonder like I'm like okay the only way this makes sense is if we need someone to split the load because like I like look if Fallon's Hill's choice is available like and she doesn't need to live near an ocean go and fucking get her like do whatever it takes I don't know she's just so cool and the vibes are so good anyway that's my thought on the keepers <laughs> well that was going to be my next question was with so much movement in the goalkeeper market this summer, was this a missed opportunity when there were players, you know, like you mentioned, Fallon, Tillis Joyce, Daphne von Domselar? What do you think, Sean? Did we kind of go with the safe option here? Well, I think Villa got in there quick, didn't they, with van Domselar before anybody really knew what was going on with that one. Um, the the rumour was that we, we did go in for the Swedish second-choice keeper, but um, our bid was rejected and therefore we 
moved away and went for the one we have gone for. Um, it's, it's, I mean, goalkeepers is a strange position, isn't it? Because it's such a character kind of a, a role. And we know that uh, Becky can be incredible. We also know she can be really scary as a keeper. And it doesn't, and it, you know, there's no way of knowing which one you're going to get. Um, and, you know, we love Becky and she can do amazing things, but we have seen moments, you know, in over the last two seasons where she's given goals away. Uh, so it's difficult, you know, when she's at her best, if she can perform at her best, like she did at the World Cup throughout season, she's still a, a first choice WSL keeper. If she plays more like she has done in other games for us, then she's not a first choice WSL keeper anymore. Uh, and it really depends. And again, with this, with our new keeper, she seems to be somebody who could be an excellent keeper and, and great. And it could be a really good pickup or it could end up being, a, you know, a kind of hand in your head, head in your hands, kind of what the hell went on there. It's a risk, I guess. I, I mean, it always is, isn't it? But it, it's a risk that could pay off really well or it could leave us um, in problems. And as with so much else that we've said on this pod, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. And I mean, I think we've all said we'd prefer to have a first choice keeper rather than splitting it. But if that's what the new manager thinks is the best thing to happen and the defence can deal with that change behind them, then it's great to be able to, to see them both and see what they can both give to us. Yeah, I'm torn. Becky had an amazing World Cup, but she's had two bad seasons at Spurs where her statistics and what we saw from her on the field was too unpredictable and didn't seem to create a feeling of safety amongst the defenders. Now, whether that was swapping with Tinny and them having very different styles or whether that was her not having the concentration given that she's played you know, for a long time, and there was less up for grabs than there was in the World Cup. I don't know. But then I also don't know what is going to get the best out of her. And so whether it would actually be good for her to feel like, you know, she had fewer games or for her to feel like she was number one and it was all on her shoulders. And it's a risk either way. I think obviously um, Barbara Vodkova is, you know, the future if she's good. And so part of what we need to be thinking about is how do we build her up and how do we organise the season in a way to get the most out of her? Because that's probably got the biggest long term advantage for us. Um, And she was obviously good enough that PSG wanted her um, and then obviously after the injury and some issues didn't want her um so she's obviously got a lot of talent and I know that there were a few people who'd seen her play more and were like oh she's an she's an amazing keeper so she's obviously got those instincts that people spot in a keeper and but it's that thing about whether that can be realized and whether that also pointed we didn't go to she was amazing in the Euros last year. So we had a whole year, you know, it wasn't like, oh, Aston Villa came in really quickly before anyone else noticed her. Everyone noticed her. And then Aston Villa got her, just like they have in the past, got Rachel Bailey and other players. Um, so I think it's 
it's frustrating that they're happy really because lots of them, not just the ones coming to WSL, but ones moving around elsewhere that approve entities. And I guess we're just going to cross our fingers that, you know, Vlotikova is a, an unproven surprise. We also have a new goalkeeper coach this year, don't we? Our, the other, I don't know who it is. I didn't see if it had been announced, but I do remember that the previous goalkeeper coach departed at the end of the season after, I think, quite a long time. Um, so yeah, there could be some changes there. Yeah, I think we should talk about all of the managers actually, because we had quite a bit of change within the manager and his staff. So Robert Wilhelm joins us from Becca Hecken on a two-year contract, having previously managed Hecken's women's team as head coach and also their men's team previously as an assistant. And with both of those teams, he gained experience managing in European competition Although at Spurs, his task is obviously going to be helping the team get closer to qualifying for one of those uh, competitions rather than actually competing right off the bat. Um, And one of his key coaching priorities is youth development. And we've seen our former interim manager, Vicki Jepson, shift into the senior assistant head coach role, wherein she's going to act as a link between the academy and the senior teams. Um, Anton Blackwood, who has also been with the team previously, is going to be in a new role as the first team transitional head coach. So he's going to be focused on working with the Academy's under 21 players to aid their progress into the senior team. And like you alluded to, Abby, we've got a new goalkeeping coach. His name is Perry Suckling. Uh, He had previously worked with the men's team, both at the Academy and senior team levels. So, you know, on this podcast, many times last season, we bemoaned the kind of lack of youth development at Spurs so do y'all see Villaham's appointment as a positive step towards rectifying that? I mean, it's difficult in a way, given that that's kind of what they said about Rianne when she came in, having worked with, you know, young players through the England setup and things. Um, so whilst, yes, hopefully that, that's good, it doesn't necessarily follow that that's going to happen. Because as I say, we, we thought of that before, although Vicky's been at the club a lot longer, she's got, you know, she understands the pathways and the the people at the club. So hopefully her being in that role and having that under, that greater understanding of, of the context at Spurs will give her the ability to actually make that happen, hopefully. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to say, like, with Rianne, a lot of the stuff, at least to me as an American, a lot of the stuff Rianne was doing in the England setup was kind of, like, opaque and mysterious, and it wasn't clear, like what her direct impact on youth development was there. Like, it was hard to tell, like, who did she work with? What did she accomplish? Like, who did she develop? And we were kind of just going on, like, well, she was in their youth setup, so she had to be, or at least I was, because I less tuned into the England stuff. But but I did, and maybe I'm making a similar assumption with Wilhelm, but, like, there are a couple, like, top, top WSL players who came out of his side who were under him for a year, like Waxinius and Canarid, who, like, sort of developed under him. Like, not that he was entirely responsible for their development, but he was sort of, like, the last coach they had before they moved to the WSL. And so, <clears throat> again, like, it could have been some random other coach in their setup who was, like, really meaningful and impactful to them. But it's enough for me to hang my hat on. Yeah, I think it's interesting that what we have seen is the only two young players who've come in have both come in as loanies. So we haven't actually recruited young players, especially. 
not at least in permanent positions and we've sent others out on loan. I guess what we talked about in the last podcast, which is the change, is that Lena Williams went out on loan in a way that meant she was still going to return to Spurs to train with the team. And so maybe that is a new approach and I quite like that idea. But it's not very clear to me in terms of recruitment or squad development that there is a stuff around youth um, development there is a use of youth but it's not clear how that goes to development exactly um hopefully in future years we will see that i mean the team is definitely younger this year than it last year but that is partly like his loanies and so it'll be interesting to see whether that ha- produce more long-term advantages that it looks like at the moment it might yeah good points okay i'm gonna ask a bit of a loaded question do you guys think that the new manager has been set up for success with the summer transfer business? That depends on what you mean by success. You, you can interpret it however you would like to. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, the club have made it fairly clear. I think that from their perspective, success at the moment is top six. So, and and we know that, that you know, new manager has spoken about that as well. So top six is what the club are deeming to be successful at this point in time. And as I say, I think it's really difficult because we've had two such completely differing seasons for no real reason. You had one season where we had the highest finish we've ever had and then we scraped through avoiding relegation. So two really different seasons, yes, with, you know, change of of player and stuff, but no real reason for there to be that big a difference in in our results. So I think this season is a really key season to establish what's more truthful, uh, uh, you know, a top five finish from two years ago or a bottom few finish from last season. Um, uh, and again, it's difficult to know what what it, in terms of whether the manager's been set up for success in terms of the answer to the question, I guess, is has the manager been given what he wants? And only he can really tell us that. So without knowing his take on it, it's difficult to say, um, hopefully, as we've all gone through and said, it doesn't look like a, a terrible squad. We may change our opinion when we look at the rest of the league, but um, certainly I, I think there's some there's some good stuff there to look at and we'll be hopeful. It's, yeah, as Sean says, that is not very radical version of success and maybe he will be able to achieve it. And if so, great. It's not obvious that he will be able to achieve top six with the squad that is there. And we also don't know how much he has been involved in those decisions. And as well as decisions about who's coming, there's been obviously decisions about who's gone out. And I think he probably was involved with the decisions about learning and out, um, Nicola Kutcher going out. But we don't know if there were other players he would have liked to have moved on that he wasn't allowed to and so that as well that we don't know yeah I think going to something Sean mentioned kind of tangentially I think I would like to define success as like I want to see him introduce the stability to the club um this is something I've talked about maybe like once every few months or so since we started doing this um, it's a lot easier to determine like everything from like transfers to predicting league finishes to like 
you know, focusing on growing your fan base and everything like that. If you have like a stable squad with stable players and you know what you want and like, you know what you're trying to do. And we had hoped we were going to see that under Rianne last year. And then we saw the opposite. (laughs) And so I don't, I think like moving away from like any specific league finish, like I, I want to see the club establish like a baseline and I don't know whether they have set Villaham up to do that or not. I don't, <laughs> in a way, it's kind of like out of his hands entirely. Like he's just another player, like another cog in the system of that question, really. Um, I don't know. I am not confident that we have done enough this summer to cement a top half finish I refuse to say top six I think that's ridiculous like that doesn't mean anything in this league we've I don't think we've done enough to cement a top a top half finish and I I don't know that we won't do that like we might but I I am not confident if that's their metric of success that we've done enough so I'm just looking for stability yeah and I I think something else we've talked about many times is just needing to have a clear identity of playing style you know, that's something that was basically non-existent last season, I feel like. Um, and to me, just from comments that the new manager has made, it sounds like he kind of sees that as his task is, you know, getting getting the actual team identity solidified. Um, and with that, I think he he's cognizant of the fact that he's going to have to get some of those underperformers from last season back up to standard. But I agree with you. I think probably the transfer window, we did not do enough to, you know, kind of meet those, the the so-called ambition that we have as a club. I I feel like it's still not really, really there, but probably a good time to shift focus and do our season preview. So let's take a look around the league and take our focus away from Spurs for just a moment. I would like each of you to name the club that you think has had the best transfer window and why. If I can build on what Abby was saying and just be a little bit facetious, I kind of think Man City because they brought in one player and that's a sign of having a really, really deep squad already. And when you bring in Jill Rod, that's a pretty good player to bring in to strengthen a deep squad. And what we know in the past is they've slowly because they haven't been used to playing together. Um, so, you know, that's my facetious response. If you want to play teams that have brought in more players, I mean, Manchester United have brought in some amazing players. They brought in, um, they brought in um, Mia's, oh, I her name wrong, um, Mizawa, who was the um, gold booker in the World Cup. Leicester City, from that point, have brought in some really good players, and though have um, Aston Villa just continued that Carla Ward knows how to do the transfer window and also Chelsea have strengthened but if I would like to be somewhere it would be Man City where I didn't have to bring in anyone my pick is Chelsea just for the simple fact of like I mean they had the smarts to go and get me official that it, that was really smart I think in the U.S. a lot of us have been sitting over here kind of going like you know, me official is crushing it. Why isn't she in the U.S. set up? Like, why isn't a team 
like snatching her up. She's scoring so many goals, like great player. And Chelsea went and they did that. They also had some other really good pickups. Like Kat Macario is a favorite of mine. If you've been around for a long time, you'll know that I frequently like make jokes about her being my dream signing. Although that was pre Beth England. That was kind of like the first iteration of the manifestation joke. And I kind of wish it had worked for that one, but not too sad with how it turned out in the end. But I just think like in terms of sheer talent and like enjoyability, Chelsea really nailed it. And then, yeah, Villa are just on another level. I don't know what they're doing over there. It just seems like they're hitting every shot. Yeah. I mean, I think Chelsea's window has been particularly good in terms of building for the future, you know, they do seem to be just collecting players now and sending them out on loan. They seem to be at that next level, really, in terms of that that building. They've got the squad that they want for now and they're looking to the future already, um, which is understandable, given we know that Chelsea are leagues above everybody else, really, in terms of organisation of their women's team and planning. And that's largely down to Emma Hayes, I think. Uh, conversely, I think Arsenal are, are finding themselves almost in an opposite position to that, having been so good in that way when at the end of this season they're going to find themselves with a lot of players leaving and it'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of this season. Um, in terms of uh, best transfer market for an impact this season, I think it's difficult to look past Aston Villa and just the way that they're continuing to build. Um, they they This season they were what we were last season, i.e. the best of the rest and clearly a team that was looking like it was it's going to start building and their transfers this season have um, only kind of confirmed that in a lot of people's heads and it's difficult to unless they do what we did and it all goes completely pear-shaped for them this season um, it's difficult to see beyond anybody beating them for the best of the rest again this season um, which is a real shame from our perspective but um, great to see from them. Yeah I think Aston Villa would have to be my pick as well just because it seems like they've made sufficient moves to kind of take that next step that they were just on the cusp of last year. Um, and unfortunately I don't think they're going to mess it up like we did. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, bringing in, like we said, Daphne Van Domsel are an excellent keeper. They got Kirsty Hansen on a permanent contract. Now Ebony Salmon and Adriana Leone are going to provide that kind of forward depth. Um, that's going to make them really difficult to outlast in games. You know, they have those kind of game changing substitutes as well. And also extending the contracts of Kenza Dolly and Maz Pacheco, who have been really important for them. So, yeah, it's Aston Villa for me. But on the flip side, who do y'all think is going to be the most vulnerable to kind of slipping down that table? I think um, for me, there's a couple there. There's uh, West Ham, who I think have got problems all over the club in terms of commitment from from leadership to the team and they've not strengthened in the way that they, and they've lost a couple of really important players for them as well this summer and then Everton as well are difficult it's a difficult one uh, again like their men's team you know they're they're, they're in trouble uh, in the Premier League and I think they're going to find it having had a couple of seasons where everybody's like they're going to be the next the next big thing um, I think it's, they're, they're struggling again now as well and with lack of investment from higher up in the club and uh, a lot of players seemingly getting frustrated and obviously losing Gabby George as well. I think it's going to be a tough season for them too. Yeah, those are my two as well. I think, um, yeah, I think Everton could be really surprising this year in how much they've fallen off. Um, 
of course, we'll have to see. But yeah, everything Sean said, and then also the fact that um, some of the teams around us in the mid table have done a lot to strengthen like Brighton comes to mind. And, you know, Leicester has made some good pickups and hopefully will turn things around. I think Everton, if they don't get their shit together early, because they had a really bad end of last season, um, even though they like they had nothing to play for. So like maybe it was that. But given the turmoil at the club that we know is happening and all that stuff, I think I think they could be in trouble fast. Um, I don't know that I would say I think they'll get relegated, but I think they could be in for a very disappointing season. I think the one team I don't have a good read on is Liverpool. Like the biggest news, like I was looking at their list of signings, nothing seemed too shocking. And then of course, like the biggest news I was aware of as a part-time Gotham fan is that uh, Katie Stengel left. Um, But yeah, I just don't really know what their vibe is, I guess. Yeah, I think those are good calls. And West Ham was the one that sprang to mind first, although they did get Iwaki um, right at, right recently. But I think their problem might be more in defence. Everton is a weird one because they also, it was one of those things where the coach is recruiting plenty lower level version of how Spurs have recruited this summer in terms of the kinds of players that they were bringing in. Given that they were slightly better than the Spurs at the end of, oh, well, not at the end, but most of last season, then I don't know if that's going to mean they're kind of level with us. Or, and they've got a Scandinavian manager as well, so obviously it's a Scandi thing. I think that uh, both, I mean, we haven't mentioned Bristol City and they haven't brought in, They what they've done is brought in players who were playing well, two other players as well, but it isn't like a very strong window. And so that's a wait and see. And in the last few seasons, teams that have come up have done great and have stayed up, but it's not obvious that that will be the case with Bristol. So I guess I would probably say Everton and Bristol and West Ham would be fighting it out. Um, probably with West Ham and or Bristol nearer the bottom. Yeah, that's a good point you make about Bristol. One thing I keep go- coming back to is like, obviously they'll have made like some kind of leap in the off season, but like thinking about last season's championship, it was really down to them and London City um, and Bristol pulled clear at the end by a lot after London City's manager left. But um, when we played London City right at their height, we still smashed them 5 nothing, and we were like not good last year. So I think like... I think there I think it is really important to to call out that gap because like like I'm sure they've made a leap but we don't know how big and they will need to make quite a leap quite like a very large leap in order to be successful I think yeah I think Bristol City probably will struggle to adjust to this league but I think in terms of like the team actually slipping down the table, I feel like Everton's the one I feel the most concerned for. I think losing Gabby George is going to be huge. And also they're not going to have the benefit of Jess Park on loan, who was really helpful to them, especially in the first half last season. So yeah, I feel like they should be feeling pretty worried right now. All right, well, let's do some quick fire predictions that we surely will not regret by the end of the season. 
When has that um, ever happened? Yeah, of course. We, we're always right, right? I never predicted us getting Champions League last year. No, Did I? Actually, we would never do that. Never. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where do y'all think the Spurs are going to finish in the table? And just for context, last season, we finished in ninth place on 18 points. I think we're going to finish eighth. I'm going to go one better and say seventh. Yeah, the optimist in me is seventh because that is like one better than I think we can obviously finish. So let's go seventh. I'm going to be optimistic and say that we're going to just squeak in and we're going to finish sixth and get in that top half of the table. Okay, who do we think will be the player of the season for Spurs? Beth England. I mean, we're probably unanimous here, right? I mean, Beth. I think Ash's got a good shout as well. She, you know, she's had one season off that, you know. Um, again, I, and I'm going to say what I said at the end of last season. I think if you look at last season, it was a season of two halves and Ash was best first half of the season and Beth was best second half of the season. So if um, if Ash can put in a full season of what she did first half of the season, I definitely think she's giving Beth a run for her money. Very fair. Okay, who do we think will be the best young player? And I'm going to qualify that as 23 years of age or under. I don't know how old any of them are. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, there's not as many as I thought when I was looking at the squad list. For me, I'm thinking Celine is the obvious answer. Yeah, I think that's got to be the case, isn't it? I'm going to go Grace Clinton, although she might be on loan and won't play as much as we'd like to see. But I'm going to just stick that one out there. All right. And who is going to be our top scorer? I mean, it depends how long she's out injured for, but probably Beth. I mean, she only needs a half a season, apparently. So yeah, Beth England. Yeah, I would never bet against Beth for that distinction. Okay, will we concede more or fewer goals than the 47 that we conceded last season? Hopefully fewer. And I think looks like with our defense hopefully is a little bit stronger than it was last season. So I'm going to go fewer. I will also say fewer because it sounds like from our friendlies, that's been, you know, our, our strong suit has been the defense. So yeah, I feel good about that. Yeah. Fewer. I really want to like, I wanted to joke and be like, I think we'll concede exactly 47 goals, except for the vibes just feel so wrong saying that I we're going to concede fewer. Good. We're all in agreement. <laughs> Okay, who is going to win the WSL title? Chelsea. Chelsea. I also think Chelsea. Yep. Who will finish in the other two Champions League qualification spots? United and Villa. I see. Um, I'm going to go City and United. Yeah, I think City and United probably... I'm going to say Arsenal and United. And who's going to get that best of the rest spot, quote unquote, in fourth place? Villa. City for me. I I just want to make it clear that I am predicting an Arsenal fifth place finish here in case you guys didn't do the math. Well, I was also going to say Villa. So Arsenal fifth place. I mean, my head actually thinks they won't finish fifth, but I'm... They're capable of messing up. Particularly with and, a lot of players who know they're not going to be around next season. True. Including well, I'm going to say Aston Villa and for the record, City in fifth. I don't feel as good about their transfer business as Rachel does. 
Uh, okay, who's going to get relegated? I think probably Bristol. I'm really sorry to Rianne Skinner, but I think West Ham is going to get relegated. I'm torn between those two, but my heart says West Ham. I am going to go with Bristol City. I have no love for West Ham, but it would make me a little sad to see Rianne actually get relegated this time. So it's got to be Bristol. Sorry, Bristol. I just don't think West Ham have the squad for Rianne Ball. And I think they got way too lucky last year. I think they're a lot worse than their league position would suggest. So, sorry, I'm not supposed to justify my answers. Yeah, Abby, rapid fire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, last one. Who's going to win the golden boot? Beth England. Beth England, baby. (laughs) I would say Beth England, but she's only going to be playing for half a season, perhaps. So maybe Miyazawa. But also, I think Sam Kerr might, you know, she had a slow season. Yeah, there's a lot of good candidates. Um, I think I'm going to say Rachel Daly again, of course, with the obvious caveat that she has to actually play at striker the whole season, which who knows? Okay, so last thing we're going to do a few listener questions. Thank you to everybody who submitted one. So after years of vague talk about our ambition, Robert Wilhelm has finally put a time frame in place for not bottom half over the next two years and then a push for Champions League spot. What do you think of this? And do we have the squad in place for a top half finish? That question was from Gary. I mean, I don't feel like it's new time frame. I feel like that's fairly what I would expect. I mean, I think last season, as I say, was a bit of an aberration. I think before last season, we might have been thinking a little bit faster than that. But with what happened last season, I think that's a fairly sensible what people would say um, to where we to where we should be. Um, so it doesn't feel like it's a new ambition to me. It feels fairly fairly solid, really. I mean, our predictions mostly were that we wouldn't quite manage it. So I guess on the basis of that, we almost have the squads to achieve that and with a very good season and the wins going in our favor etc we might be able to achieve it but if something goes wrong we won't achieve it yeah I think I think that top I mean that top half finish is possible given what happened two years ago you know we we have got the possibility of that but it does depend so much on what happens in other teams and those other mid-table sides how they how they play out and nobody's really I think secured consistency yet Villa look like they're on their way to it but none of the other teams in the league have really considered consistent in where they finish apart from those top three top four yeah I mean I think I I feel like we can get in the top half back in the top half this season but it feels like we're not keeping up ambition wise with a lot of the other clubs in the league. And that's kind of the frustrating thing, but I do think that we're better or should be on paper than at least six teams. So we shall see. Okay. Then we've got a question from Charlie who has asked, am I being wildly over optimistic to think that Celine could become a real star in this league? She seems to have so much natural ability that harnessed in the right system with good coaching could mean she explodes. Maybe. I mean, I think we're all hoping for that. 
I think we've all seen the signs that there's that potential. And as we know, just, you know, so much, so many variables on, on whether a player actually breaks from that potential to to being the real deal. But um, hopefully from, uh, from your mouth, Charlie. Yeah, and I think the optimistic thing there is that she has started all of the games, all the friendlies, which suggests that she's going to get the game time to develop. And she didn't last season, at least at the start of the season. And so that's going to make a big difference in her settling. And, you know, last season she was playing sometimes as a wing back, sometimes as a, you know, a winger. So again, a bit of consistency in the system, which allows her to develop would be really amazing. And I can totally see her being our star player. It would be great if she was our standout this season. Yeah, I agree. I think all she really has needed to make that leap is just the consistent game time. And, you know, especially towards the end of the last season, we saw she had really started to form some great partnerships with the other forwards. So, yeah, I, I feel very confident that this is going to be her her breakout year. Uh, so Michael has asked, which new signing are you most looking forward to seeing in action? I think Olga is going to be perhaps our most important player. Um, although I don't know, I'm saying that and then I think Luana Bula like having a really good life but I think Olga could be the pl- I missed I was my internet was not playing up and we were talking about player of the season and one of my thoughts was that Olga could actually be the player of the season if she is the player that we've heard she might be and so there's lots of ifs there but having a really great midfield you know passing controlling player also with the p- uh, potential to score could be really important and so in a way, I think she might be the most important, but the one I think might be fun is Lin Yan Zhang, who I think just looks fun in a way that she brings something different. And I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I mean, I think those two players are definitely on my list um, and maybe our new keeper, if she lives up to the personality um, aspects and gets game time, she could be a really interesting one to watch as well. Yeah, the player I'm most excited to see is Luana Buller, just because I feel like we've really needed that kind of dynamic centre-back to just elevate our whole game, you know, across the pitch. And just from seeing a very brief glimpse of her in the World Cup, I really liked what I saw. So I'm going to go with Luana. Okay, here's a cheeky question from Sam. When will Spurs women score their next goal? Keep in mind that we do play Chelsea first. Well, I was really hoping that we were going to get our first game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge being the same as our first season at WSL with the same scorer, but reversing the result. Because if Bethany England scored in that game, as she did the first time round, we would have won. But she's not going to be playing. So um, Bristol City, I think we'll score against Bristol City if we haven't scored against Chelsea. I'm going to be super optimistic. I think we're going to lose against Chelsea, but we're going to score. So let's say first day of the season. Yeah, I actually agree with you, Rachel. I think there have been times in our recent games against Chelsea that we actually looked decent. I don't, I mean, I still think they're going to beat us because they are Chelsea um, and their attacking power is just ridiculous, especially after the transfers. But yeah, I, I think we can get a goal against them. So, all right. Nigel has asked, have any games been announced yet for White Hart Lane this season? And I can answer that quickly. No, <laughs> we're but hoping they, they, there will be news. They, they definitely are planning, um, Rumours are four or five games at the stadium, and I'm hoping they're actually they're going to get them together and announce them kind of in advance rather than drip it drabbing them through the season in the way that Chelsea and Arsenal have already done. Um, I, I know that there are people working on that, whether it's achievable or not this season, I don't know, but 
fingers crossed. And also a follow-up question about game day experience. He's also asked, do we know anything about the merch van that was promised last season but never happened? Promised is a strong word. They were working on it last season and hoping to achieve it. Um, they didn't. Um, it's Again, we've been pushing for it. We've been talking about it. I know it's something that they... they they're, um, the club have said that match day experience for both the men and the women is high on their agenda this season. Um, and they have been asking what we want. And merch is definitely one of the things we've been asking for. So, um, you know, we have said, you know, all you need to do is set up a table. It's not hard. Hopefully it will happen. But as with all these things, the will is there. But whether it will actually be executed into action is another thing. I mean, it is ridiculous, isn't it? That like they can't, that it's taken a year and they can't set up a merch table. You know, we can say the club is trying in some ways, but they are really trying our patience in others. Yeah, very fair. Okay, last one from Johannes. Do you think any player will fill Beth's goal scoring void or is it going to be a collective effort or just nothing until Beth returns? I think it has to be a collective effort, doesn't it? Um, either that or Ash Neville doing what she did at the beginning of last season and just going, oh, for heaven's sake, every game and lobbing the keeper. No, I think it's going to be a collective effort. We've got a lot of people who can score uh, and hopefully will start scoring. Yeah, I, I don't see any. I mean, the one player who, like I say, I think has been brought in specifically to try and fill that is Grace Clinton. Um, but I don't think she's going to get that many. We saw in the one game in which there were goals, which was against third tier opposition. So not a sign of anything, but the goals were coming from everyone. And I think that at least is a sign of who, and you hear about shots on target or shots, shots on target, save shots, et cetera, in the friendlies. We've heard about them coming again. Yeah, we we might be feeling a little more confident about it if we had actually seen those preseason games and you know, gotten a better sense of like how well we were actually controlling the games. But I I think, like y'all said, it's going to have to be coming from multiple players and not just one sort of focal point striker because we just don't really have that without Beth. Uh, okay, so before we wrap up, we know there's going to be a lot of new fans starting to follow the team this season. So we wanted to close out the episode by covering a few Spurs women fandom essentials. So I thought, Rachel, you could talk a little bit about the stadium experience at Brisbane Road. It's good. You're close to the team. You know, it's definitely, if you haven't been to a women's game before, come. And if you've only been to a women's game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, obviously that has the whole joy of being in the main stadium. But if you go to a game at Brisbane Road, you're much closer to the game. You're It's a kind of more intense, more personal experience. It's easy to get to on public transport. Um there are it's cheap it's you know there are still a few tickets left um and you can easily buy a game day ticket either on the at Brisbane Road or in advance for both um, children but also young people so that and that goes to sort of like teenagers and like sort of older 
than you know, very ch- young children. And so it's a great thing for young people to go to by themselves as well. And yeah, highly recommend. You can usually have a chance to chat to some players afterwards, although as more fans start attending, that's going to become harder. Great. And Sean, what can you tell us about the Tottenham Hotspur Women FC supporters group and plans for that for this season? So we've uh, got regular meetings going on with the club now. So quarterly, we're meeting with the club to talk about things that supporters are, are, are concerned about. And if you join the supporters club, then we will email you with uh, information about those meetings and what's been discussed and uh, either you know before and after them, those meetings. There is, um, we just had a meeting and we're just waiting on the club to confirm what exactly what we can communicate from that meeting. Um, it's taken a while with various events happening at the club taking up time um so hopefully it will will be out shortly but um do follow us on twitter um because that's where most of our action takes place uh, thwfcsc at twitter um and we're going to try and give you more information about away games um and, and how to get there and and things as well as uh, information about home games i believe from a season ticket perspective at Brisbane Road, there's one season ticket left in the Legends Lounge now and a couple of rows left in Block C. So if you want a season ticket, get in now. Um, but from yeah, do join the sports club. There is I'm gonna tweet out again this week the link on how to join us and become a member. Um and the more the merrier, the more people we have joining us, the bigger voice we've got with the club. Um and so the more sway we can have um uh, and hopefully, you know, that match day experience will get even better. Good deal. And I'm sorry for calling it supporters group instead of supporters club. That's just my Americanism <laughs> coming out. Uh, and I just wanted to cover quickly how you can actually watch games if you're not at the stadium. So if you're watching from afar, like I am. So the majority of games will be streamed on the FA player. You just need a free login to watch those. And then select matches will be either streamed on Paramount Plus in the U.S. or sometimes broadcast on CBS Sports Network. If you're inside the U.K., those matches are going to be available on BBC iPlayer or broadcast on BBC or Sky Sports. And first women are involved in two domestic cups. So the Conti Cup, which is like the League Cup and the FA Cup. Not all of those games will be streamed, which is unlucky for us out-of-towners, but that's just another good reason to get out to a game if you're local. And Spurs Play has the broadcasting rights to stream a few select games live each season. These streams will feature more Spurs-friendly commentary, so I think they're definitely worth the watch if you already have a Spurs Play subscription. And I think that's going to do it for today. So if you have any questions about how to follow and support Spurs Women, you can always feel free to drop us a line on Twitter, where you can find us at N17Women. Thank you for listening to our season preview episode. We cannot wait to see what this season holds for our beloved club. Come on, you Spurs.